0: All right, we're in Acts chapter one. Let's get a word from our sponsor this morning. Acts chapter one. I watched some of the debates, couldn't watch all of it, but I watched some of it. And uh in the study today, you're gonna you're gonna hear a biblical principle as well as a biblical truth, prayer. Prayer is one of the most important keys in our Christian faith. And if you're not praying, I encourage you to pray because things are going to be changing very, very drastically. Chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, if you're new or visiting, what we do is we pick a book of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse. Uh, Durrell is going through Judges on Wednesday night, Pastor Durrell. And so this Wednesday night, though, there is no church service. So this Wednesday night, there is no church service due to July 4th. And so plan on July 10th coming out to Judges. And then in the book of Acts, we go verse by verse. On Sunday morning, we'll cover the whole book. So we're in Acts chapter 2. Now, if you don't have a Bible, please grab one. There are some in the chairs in front of you, down low. Uh, tap someone, that wake them up, hit them. They'll grab a Bible for you and follow along. Very important. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved, From this perverse generation, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you and praise you that your word will set us free. And so, Father, we just come this morning to rest, to rest at your throne. We bring our anxieties, our worries, our frustrations, our concerns, our joys. We, we bring them to your throne right now. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to bring a calmness to our minds, to our hearts, that we might hear from heaven these principles. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that you will be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, you know, Peter, if you're newer or, v- or visiting, Peter has been proclaiming an Old Testament truth, an Old Testament truth to the soon-to-be New Testament church. Now, we could say the 120, roughly, that were in the upper room, were the church as well, because they were, but the church is going to really explode this morning as we look at these verses here. But Peter, this is very, very important. He was going back and teaching Old Testament truths. That God loves all of mankind. And that salvation is for anyone who would believe in that love. For God so loved the world. But it had to be a personal decision based upon what? Look at verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent. Repent. And so if you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, God loves you. Plain and simple. God loves you. If you'd like to make a decision for Him, you need to repent, which means to turn from your sin, acknowledge that you're a sinner, as us as saints have done. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm gonna turn to you. That's what repent means. So Peter made it very clear. Repent. Repent. An individual commitment to reach out and receive the free gift of salvation. And what would they become saved from? Well, we just read it in verse 40. A perverse generation. That means crooked or curved. Crooked or curved. You see, every generation has perverseness within it due to the base wickedness of the human hearts. But a person can be saved or delivered from that perverseness by accepting Jesus as your Savior. You see, the Holy Spirit comes within that person and starts a transformation process of the soul, or is often referred to in the Bible as the heart, a transformation process. So if you are a believer or if you think you're a believer... But your life has not been transformed. If you're doing everything the way you used to do it, no change, no real difference, I am who I am, just accept me the way I am, you're probably not saved. You might have made a head commitment and you think you're saved. And again, we're not salvation investigators. That's between God and you. But there will be a transformation if you accepted Jesus into your heart. The old will pass away. It may take sometimes decades. But as we continue to fellowship and do the things we're going to talk about this morning, those old things will go away. They will not be a problem per se. Still may be a temptation, but we will not be overcome. Jeremiah 17 says this. The human heart. So again, the soul, your personality. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Reading this out of the New Living Translation. And desperately wicked. That's you. That's you. Well, why don't we behave this way? I used to be desperately wicked. And I don't behave that way anymore because of the Holy Spirit. Because I got religious? No. Because I allowed the Holy Spirit to get a hold of me. But my heart, your heart, don't kid yourself. I know. That's what the Bible says. Take it up with God. You let your guard down, you don't trust in the Holy Spirit, it's wicked. And you and I can have wicked thoughts. And we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Who really knows how bad it is? Do you really know how bad your heart is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. You see, God knows our heart. He knows why you're here this morning. He knows why I'm here this morning. False motives, pure motives, whatever it might be, God knows. That should cause us to have a healthy fear, which means reverence, to not play games. We're not here to play games. We're not here to be religious. We're here to build a relationship. I give all people their due rewards according to their actions deserved. Another verse in the New Testament, Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Speaking to the believer, Paul writing to the Christian church. Church is, in the area of Galatia, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He goes on to say, for he who sows to the flesh, now maybe you're a new believer, if you feed your flesh, maybe you used to be in drugs, and so in the Bible, the flesh is talking about those things that our flesh desires. Man, I just wish I could go back and do those drugs. I wish I could go back to drinking. I wish I could just go back to pornography. I wish I could go back to gambling. But you go, no, I know the end of that. No, Holy Spirit, give me strength. Keep it away. I, don't want, I really don't want nothing to do with it. And the Holy Spirit gives you supernatural strength. And you leave, you turn, you, oh, you won that battle. Praise God. But if you don't, Then you sow to the flesh. That's what this means. Then you sow to the flesh. You go back to drugs. You go back to alcohol, gambling, whatever it is. You're going to reap. You're going to reap. God loves you. He'll chasten those whom he loves. But he who sows to the spirit, the example I already gave to you. No, God, I know the end of that. I don't want to go back. Never. Give me strength through this temptation right now. He will meet you right where you're at. He meets me right where I'm at. And he'll give you strength to go through that temptation and you will reap more of the Holy Spirit everlasting life. Guys, that's what we're here for. The soul or the heart of a person can have a bent towards addictions. So I looked up addiction here. I found this very interesting. Uncle Webster, 1828. The act of devoting. The act of devoting or the state of giving up to some habit, practice, or pursuit. The state of being devoted addiction you see at the time Webster's definition was seen as a good quality reading books for an example or some other hobby would have been or could have been labeled an addiction taking care of an elderly parents would have been labeled an addiction things have changed a little bit haven't they? But what do most people think of when they hear the word addiction today? When I first said it, what did you think of? Typically, it's something negative. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, sexual issues. So when a person receives Jesus as their Savior, the Holy Spirit comes within that person and starts to transform the desires of that person from something negative to something positive. Hence... They become addicted to Jesus, which Noah Webster was, by the way. And I'll reference this to many people, including my own children. Would you just get addicted to Jesus? Would you just save us a lot of trouble and a lot of sorrow? Would you save other people a lot of pain? And would you just get addicted to Jesus? It's a good thing. It's a great thing. But you have to make the choice and so do I. Are we going to get addicted to Jesus? So how does a person get saved from a perverse generation? By getting addicted, devoted, pursuing. Are you having issues in your life right now? Are you all bent out of shape about what's going on? I'm not bent out of shape. I'm grieved. Talking with some people the other day. This is very grieving what's going on. But do I need to get all bent out of shape? It's not going to do me any good, and it's not going to do anybody else any good. And it's really just going to show those who think I'm a Christian that, well, I guess your God doesn't have it under control, does he? No. All things are under control. God's got a plan, and God's got a purpose. We have free will, as we talked about last week. He's not going to squash our free will, but he is still sovereign at the same time. Will we ever figure it out totally? No. No. But I thank God for those two simple truths, that God's given us a free will, but God is also sovereign. I thank Him for that. So for you and I, we should be thankful that we have a free will, but we also need to do what? Even as believers, get addicted, devoted, pursuing after Jesus and His ways. Verse 41, Acts chapter 2, Then those who gladly received His word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Talk about church growth. One day. Gladly. Gladly. And then those who gladly received, it means with pleasure. What were they receiving, guys? What was Peter doing? Was he promoting health and wealth doctrine? Was he blabbing and grabbing it, confessing it, possessing it? Or was he just teaching... The Old Testament. He just taught the Old Testament. He just brought the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is powerful, sharp. Discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart, sharper than any two-edged sword. Guys, we don't have a physical battle. We have a spiritual battle. And we need to be on our knees in the heavenlies for our coworkers, our neighbors, for our politicians, for those who are going to be ruling, ruling literally, and reigning over us. That is the desire That's what socialism is, communism, whatever label you want to put on it. It's ruling over the masses. That's what they desire to do. We need to be in prayer. Because Peter, now being filled with the Holy Spirit, was moved by the Spirit to share the Scriptures with simplicity. You see, he resurrendered his life. Just 50 days earlier, guys. He was in the courtyard just 50 days earlier. I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. What did he do three times? I don't know him. Never knew him. Don't know who he is. The scriptures even say that he started to curse. And if you read one of the Gospels, Jesus was in the same courtyard by this time. And after the rooster crowed, Jesus looked at Peter And Peter looked at the Lord. My flesh failed. I said I wouldn't. But now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's re-surrendered his life. I'm waiting in the upper room. The Lord said to wait. I don't know how long to wait. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days. But they waited. And they were praying. And they were going to the temple to pray. They were doing life. And he re-surrendered his life. God, you'll never be able to use me again. Lord, you'll never be able to use me. No, he wasn't having a pity party. He sucked it up. He said, God, use me. I re-surrender my life. And here he is giving the first teaching for the New Testament church in 3,000 souls. So if you're in that situation where you think you've blown it, you've gone too far, you've done too much, blah, 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 don't have a pity party. Get over it. Take it to God. Confess your sin. Ask for more of the Holy Spirit, and he will use you. Resurrender your life. And God used him. Simple question as we turn to Psalm 16. A simple question. Do we gladly receive, take pleasure in the word of God? Now, as a group, you're here. So I, I believe I can answer this for you. I, I think, yes, you're here. You're obviously here. So you're glad. You, you don't have to come here. You can be doing so many other things. So I, in a sense, yes, you're glad. But let's make it very, very personal. Not just on a Sunday morning, because we could be coming out of tradition. We could be coming out of obligation or duty. But let's, ask, let's make it very personal. Do I gladly receive? Do I take pleasure in? The word of God. This is what these people were doing. These 3,000 saints now. They gladly received it. There was no condemnation. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand. And you remember the right hand in the scriptures is, is signifying of strength because he is at my right hand i shall not be moved in other words not my right hand is strong is because the lord is at my right hand he is the one that is strengthening my hand of strength i shall not be moved you verse 11 show me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures And those word pleasures there are delightful. Delightful. What do you consider delightful? Delightful forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm one nineteen one oh three says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That awesome. We could pull out so many other scriptures, but I just want to pick out a few for you and ask yourself that simple question, do I gladly receive, do I take pleasure in the Word of God? Allow the Word to become a pleasure in your life. If you say, no, I don't, I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit, because you can't do this through the flesh, but you can do it by re-surrendering your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to use the word to become a pleasure in your life. And you will be amazed at what the word will do through your life. That's what take that's what's taking place in Peter's life. He's quoting the word, he's quoting the word, so he allowed the word to do a work in his life, and now the word is doing a work through his life. It's exactly the same for you and I today, guys, for you and I to get today. You see, God never gives up on anybody. And we can now look at Peter as a great example of what the Spirit can do in the life of the believer. 3,000 people were baptized. Now, if you've been to Israel, and we are going to go in March of 2021. I'm getting quotes right now, so if you'd like to join us. It's going to be about $4,000 out of New York, most likely. Includes everything. But if you've been there... You'll remember on the southern steps, below the southern steps, there are all these pools or, that they've uncovered, and what they were was that was where they would get ceremonially washed, cleansed, before they would go into the temple. So most likely, Peter is not in the upper room, and 3,000 people are trying to get packed into this upper room. They were probably maybe in the upper room when it initially happened, and then they were probably, they flowed out into the temple area where this was a feast. Thousands and thousands of people would have been gathered. Thousands and thousands of, estimated possibly one to two to possibly, possibly three million Jews at this feast. So this was not a little thing done in the corner. And most likely they they went down to those ceremonial baths. And we're baptizing people. Now, a Jew, this is what is is so special about baptism. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But a Jewish person does not get baptized. If you're born a Jew, you're a Jew. If you're born a Gentile, which means you're not a Jew, you're something other than Jew, then when you desire to become a part of Judaism, then you get water baptized into Judaism. So now for these Jews to be looking at this, especially the unbelievers, going, why are these Jews getting baptized? They're Jews. Conflict started to stir their heart. There's a problem here. But what about the believer as you keep reading the word of God? It's a public profession of an inward commitment. And now these same Jews that are getting baptized are going to be persecuted by the unbelieving Jews. Because of works taking place in their life via the Holy Spirit. I think it's going to happen much the same way, and it is happening around the world, but I think it's coming to a town near you where Christians, supposable Christians, are going to start persecuting you as a believer. You see, I don't believe anything that Elizabeth Warren just stated. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's just a biblical fact. But others are going to look at her and say, well, she's a Christian, and she goes to church on Sunday, and she even quoted the Bible So she's right or you're right? What are people going to say? The unbeliever. Oh, she's right. She's so loving. She just accepts everyone. And she says that God's in everyone. Did Jesus say that? Jesus said, even to the Pharisees, you're a child of the devil. Not politically correct. Jesus said it in public Your father is the devil. Hello. Thank you very much. Appreciate that compliment. Jesus didn't hold back. I know who are mine. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So we follow the ways of the Jesus of the Bible, not the ways of the Methodist Church, the Catholic Church, Islam, Buddhism. Put whatever ism you want in there. We don't follow that. We follow the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, that's what we believe. If it's not, then we don't. It's very, very simple. So for you and I, we have to make sure that we're focused. I mean, could you imagine the excitement of the disciples as well as the dismay of the religious authorities? You know, it would have been pretty hard to dismiss a group this size. They dismissed the 12 disciples. Ah, you're nothing. This is going to come to nothing. So they were baptized. And our next verse shows us what the church started doing. By the way is so vital for every believer even to this day. You see when a Christian, when a believer does these four principles on a daily and regular basis, they will see their life changed drastically for the better and forever. They could also have a very positive influence on others as we read verse 42. And they, who are the they? The 3000 souls. The church now the church. So the church, they, who gladly, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. In this verse, there are four basics that a Christian needs to implement into his or her life. Yes, I said needs. Needs. Not out of a demand. Not out of duty. Out of Devotion. Because sometimes when we hear that need, you need to do this in a church setting, it's kind of like, well, who are you to tell me what I need to do? I'm not telling you. I'm teaching you the Bible. You want a healthy life? Then you need to do these things. If you don't, then don't. Fine, it's your life, not mine. Your deal. I found this to be true in my life, praise God. I found it to be true in many people's lives. For those who come into my office for counseling, I will ask them these four things, straight up. And most of the time, the answer is zero, 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 z- well no, I do go to church on Sunday, so I get some points for that. And zero. What's the zero? If you take four and divide it into a hundred percent, what do you get? Twenty-five percent. Okay? So as we're going over this, go ahead and grade yourself. Give yourself a little pop quiz and see how you do. Not out of guilt or condemnation. That's, we're not here for that. So don't even try to go there. But you need to, I need to, we need to self-evaluate ourselves. If we don't, we end up going down a road that we shouldn't go down. Guys, if you're off one degree, if you're off one degree and you leave San Diego to go on a cruise to Hawaii and you're off one degree, one degree's not a big deal, is it? On a cruise ship, is one degree a big deal. By the time you get to Hawaii, Hawaii does not exist. You don't see it. It's nowhere. And you look at the cruise director and say, you lied to me. There's no islands out here. What are you doing? Oh, I'm so sorry. We were just off one degree. Did you really want to see Hawaii? Did you pay to see Hawaii? Oh, I'm so sorry. Too bad. Guys, one degree. One degree. So as we as Christians, if we're off one degree... So what are those four things? Studying the word of God, fellowship with like-minded believers, breaking bread, which means basically attending a Bible-believing fellowship with others, having communion, and praying with other believers. You see, as we look at each one of these individually, we find a basic yet complete way of life for the believer in Christ Jesus. So let's look at the first principle and review the scriptures. Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines. What would the apostle doctrines be? what would they be? Old Testament. Peter's already showed us that. As he preached, he referred back to the Old Testament scriptures. So for you and I today, that would be, we should be reading from Genesis to Revelation. And I can hear right now somebody going, yeah, but Numbers. Yeah, but Leviticus. Man, there's phenomenal stuff in those books. You're not reading them. You're missing out. You're cutting yourself short. Do not cut yourself short. Matter of fact, tomorrow, July 1st, we start Matthew again. If you're, if you're doing the daily reading that we offer the church, there's a lot of daily readings, so whatever works for you. But our daily reading is, is in by the agape boxes attached to them. And we start Matthew 1-1 again. If you've been doing it, January 1st, you started Matthew 1-1. Yesterday or today, we finished up Revelation 22-21. Tomorrow, we get to start all over again. Praise God. I'm excited about that. You'll read through the New Testament twice, Old Testament once, with a daily reading schedule. It goes back to the question, do you delight in it? Oh, man, i got to read Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Matthew chapter 1 again. Oh. That's my attitude. I'm like, man, this is exciting. We get to see it all again. Jesus and the devil, and Jesus wins. Man, it's exciting, guys. So I encourage you, read from Genesis to Revelation. Because doctrine, doctrine is extremely important. After what I read, do you think doctrine is important? Anybody, let's see a show of hands. Do any of you think Elizabeth Warren and her doctrine that God is within everyone, no matter who they are, do you think that doctrine is correct? How many of you think the doctrine, and don't say this for me, say it because you know your Bible, and if you don't know your Bible, then don't raise your hand. But if you know your Bible and you can say for sure, yes, then raise your hand for this. How many of you believe that she is absolutely incorrect? You see, doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. And you and I, we have to be concerned with doctrine. So when you get together with other Christians and they say, well, you know, she's a nice gal and she even said that God's in everyone. Ask them a simple question. Is that true? Well, she said it. She, she would never lie. She's a politician. <laughs> no, no, where in the Bible does it say that God's in everyone? It doesn't. And guys, I've actually had Christians in my office, well-versed Christians, say that everyone is a child of God. I said, no. No, And they were older than me. So I respected my elder, but I said, no, you are absolutely incorrect. Matter of fact, they are the child of the devil. I was a child of disobedience before I knew Jesus as my savior. I was heading to hell before I knew Jesus as my savior. Don't just, oh, that sounds so sweet. Oh, you're right. Take a stand, guys. Doctrine is key. It's extremely important and will keep us on that narrow path of being right with God. Those who are not concerned about doctrine are living a life of deception and will end up taking the wide and destructive path of this life that Jesus talked about. Now, as far as Christians' responsibility go, as I read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit reveals the wickedness of my own heart and I stop looking at others and finding their faults. You see, God does a work on my heart first, and then I can help someone else. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Turn there quickly for the t- sake, time of sake. Sake of time. Slow down, Jim. Matthew 7 says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Man, how many unbelievers know that verse? They don't know where it is in the Bible, but they know it. But with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? And that word speck there is like a splinter. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank? And this plank here is like a four by four by eight feet (laughs) sticking out of your head. So as you look at people, everybody's. Because that beam is... <laughs> you've got a problem. And everybody's ducking. The beam's coming. Duck. But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, you've got to read all of it to get the context. First, remove the plank from your eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. God, show me grace and mercy. I got this plank in my eye. God, I need your grace and mercy. And God pours forth his grace and mercy and the plank is removed. So what does that do for you and I as believers? We go to our brother with grace and mercy. Man, I I used to do that too. And let let me me pray for you, brother. Let me help you. Let me give you a verse. God can spare you. God can save you. God can deliver you from that. And we go humbly. We go with mercy and grace. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing. Ministering one to another. You see, it's hard to wash someone with the word unless you've washed yourself first. Very important, guys. It's hard to wash somebody with the word. Also notice in the verse, the words continued steadfastly, continued steadfastly. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. You can get the books and you can figure this all out. You see that phrase carries with it in the Greek grammar, a tense of a present participle. The present participle expresses, this is really cool. Let's find this stuff. Continuous or repeated action. Continuous or repeated action. Also, it signifies action that is contemporary. That means do it today and continue to do it every day. Not just one time, but do it today and continue to do it every day. You see, these four principles that we're talking about here are not a quick fix. So many people come into the office and they want a quick fix. Make it better now. Let me tell you right now, I don't have a magic wand in my closet or desk drawer. I just have the word of God. Just, right? And the word of God will correct everything. But are you willing to surrender to the word of God? Very, very important. You see, do these next three months and everything will be okay. You see, no, it's a lifelong commitment. There is no quick fix. And it's quite clear in the word of God that God calls us to a life of discipline. Ooh, there's another word we don't like. Discipline. This is one of the problems in Christianity as well as the general public that we face in this microwave age that we all live in. How many of you are still doing your New Year's resolutions? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're doing them, just want to throw that out there. How many of you did it for a week? (laughs) We break them really fast. It's like, yeah, well, my heart was in the right place. No. You see, most people want to answer and they want it now. But spiritual maturity does not work that way. It is a lifelong process and deals with our hearts. And that's why I read my Bible on a regular basis. It deals with our hearts on a daily basis. You see, every day we are faced with choices and decisions. Every day our hearts and minds are pulled in various directions. Without the daily reading of the word, our focus is easily lost. My focus is easily lost to the cares that are going on all around us can be easily lost. Let's look at Psalm chapter one, Psalm chapter one. It's really the first song, but Psalm one, because David gives us a wonderful example in the book of Psalms. In Psalm one, one through three, it said, "Blessed is the man," and that word "blessed" there means happy, plural. Happy, 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 is the woman. Happy is the man. Blessed, you will be blessed. Here's a here's a promise. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly? Now, notice you're gonna, you're going to notice a digression. Not a progression, but a digression. I call it a digression anyways in verse one here. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. So we've gone from moving to now standing still, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So now I'm comfortable. I used to be walking. Now I'm standing, hmm, I wonder if she's right. And now I'm sitting, yes, God's in everyone. We're all going to heaven. Isn't it wonderful? Loving people to hell is what she's doing. Loving people to hell. No, we're not called to do that. But, verse 2 His delight is in the law of the Lord, or you could say in the word of the Lord, the word law there, you could substitute it for word, totally appropriate. You're not changing anything because that's what it's saying. The law is the word of the Lord, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now here's the physical example. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit In its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. David gives a beautiful illustration of a tree. Now ask yourself, how does a tree mature and create shade or fruit for others to enjoy? How does that happen? Time, time, and more time. You see, as Christians, we develop in the same way. We take time to mature into the man or woman that God desires us to be. It's not instant maturity at all. But again, how do we know what God wants us to be if we're not in the Word of God every day learning about our biblical faith? See, guys, this is doctrine. It's our biblical faith. We will not find that answer anywhere else except in the Word of God. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. We'll have the music team come up because we want to sing that whole song. It's Jesus. We need Jesus. And we'll finish it up next time we get together next Sunday. So we got through one principle. We'll get through the next three next week. But you can cheat on the quiz and look ahead and get a better score next week than maybe this week. You see, Colossians 2, seven says this. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Guys, that's why we're here this morning. Not to hear a bunch of jokes from the pastor or life stories or antidotes or this or that. We're here to be encouraged and strengthened, maybe even to get a kick in the pants. To get it in gear, to get rooted and established in the faith and then to pour that into the next generation of college-age students, of high school, of junior high, and of the little ones. Because if we don't, Elizabeth Warren and others like her are going to get a hold of them, as they are doing right now, mandatory training in kindergarten in California, mandatory homosexuality training in kindergarten. That's called five-year-olds. Mandatory. You as a parent cannot take your child out. It's just reality. Welcome to America. But guys, we gotta get rude and established. Is, are, is our, are our politicians gonna run the, run the church? As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you. Through philosophy and empty deceit. Vote for me. I'll give you free health care. I'll give you free college tuition. I'll give you free everything. Don't know who's going to pay for it, but I'll give it to you. Just vote for me. More millionaires in Congress now than ever in the history of America. More millionaires now in Congress than ever before. Yeah, they're suffering. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. This is especially for the next generation. Especially for you younger people. If you're 18, you're going to be able to vote. You better be reading your Bible so you know how to vote. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Guys, I know most of you are here because of Christ. And I just want to encourage you and say, I commend you for being here. I commend you for sitting through a study. But I don't, I don't want us to become complacent and say, well, you know, if that's through a study, that's pretty good. So take four, divide it into a hundred. What do you get? Twenty-five percent. And then you self-evaluate yourself. Am I reading the Bible? Am I reading the Bible? Am I fellowshipping with other like-minded believers on a regular basis? This is not fellowship. This is a Bible study. This is discipling. This is my time to disciple you. So this doesn't count as fellowship. Am I fellowshipping with like-minded believers? Am I on church on a regular basis? So at least once a week, hey, you guys got 25%. Ching, all right, I can check that off. And am I in prayer? Am I praying with other like-minded believers on a regular basis? Now, if you take a day, how many minutes in a day? Anybody know how many minutes? I'm sorry, how many minutes in an hour? How many hours in a day? 1,440 minutes in a day. 1,440 minutes are in a day. So if we take 1% of the day, we can say it's less than 15 minutes. So let's just round it up. And we say 1% of the day is 15 minutes. And I came to church. So I get a score of 25%. I always burst everybody's bubble with this. I go, really? You get 25%? That is so good. Let's talk about that. Because how long are you at church? And I go through what I just did with you, and all of a sudden they go, 6%. I go, yes, 6% of one day. How you feel about your score? I think I'm failing. Yeah, I think so. But God still loves you, and that's why you're doing what you're doing. Guys, it's really simple. I'm sorry it's that simple, but it is that simple. If you give God the time, he'll take care of the rest. But you have to surrender. I have to surrender every day. You have to surrender every day. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. And Lord, I thank you that you give us these simple little tests. Because we can get into a mode where we're above. We've got it figured out. We've arrived. I don't need to do those things. No. Nobody arrives. No believer arrives until they take their last breath. And then they arrive in heaven. So, Father, stir us, provoke us unto love and to good works. Help us to do self-evaluation in these wicked days, in this perverse generation, just perverse. But this is not new. Paul had to teach the church in Corinth, stop having sex outside of marriage. Stop bragging about it. It was a perverse generation then. Wicked hearts. So, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit keeping our wicked hearts in check. But we don't ever want to rest on today's manna. We want to be going and getting manna each and every day. Each and every day, Father. Let us seek fresh manna from heaven. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come up after the service. We'll pray with you. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. If you're backslidden and you need to come up and ask for prayer, don't be embarrassed. We love you. Nobody else is going to give you a quiz. That's your quiz. But if you need prayer, you come up after the service, surrender your life. There'll be men and women up here to pray with you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. There's no conviction. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But if the Lord's rebuking you with his word, then accept it, suck it up, come up, get prayer, repent. It's that simple. Why don't we all stand guys and really belt this song out like you mean it? When out when I have nothing, when I have nothing, I have everything because I have Jesus. You can do the whole song, right? Amen. Great song.
1: I am not what I've done, I am loved unconditionally